Hey, how's it, how's it going? Good. <laughs> we're you. back. We're, we're recording. All right. Cool. So what we were just talking about was I've been thinking back and forth about like the within like anarchist, libertarian, whatever you want to call it, movement. Um, and they're definitely in like kind of what drew me in too was like all, you know, you had vets for volunteerism. You had, um, you had biting the bullet. You have like people like uh, uh, Pete Quinones who like is all excited that there's that he's surrounded by. Sometimes I wonder, like I love the guy, I do, but like how like excited he gets to talk about how he has cop buddies and how there's mil- you know military members joining the LPMC and stuff like that. Like, what do you think that says about like the libertarian culture and whatnot? That like, like does does that raise any hairs or make you think anything about what's going on within like the latest wave of libertarianism yeah i mean that kind of really there's so many different angles i can i can go with that i mean i do think there is something to you know the fact that i don't know military has this um reputation for being like the badasses which ironically i mean i've done multiple episodes where like i'm a fucking mechanic like i mean like don't get me wrong i mean I like to feel like I'm a badass, but it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm in the military. Mm-hmm. If anything, that's more the fact that I've lifted weights my entire life. I did martial arts, like literally nothing to do with that had anything to do with me being in the military. If anything, this is just bureaucratic nonsense in the military. And mm-hmm. it's just, but I don't know, people, a lot of people chip their shoulder with that, but there's something to that in that, like, it kind of spells that like myths once you meet some like veterans. And there also is something too where I feel like veterans are great for messaging. Like I know I don't know if we talked about it already, but I think we did a little bit pre about how like you you know I'm not really like political, like, and I have my reasons. But whether you're operating in the political realm or not, I think bold messaging is fucking key. And military, generally speaking, I mean I know uh, I'm Air Force, so there are aspects, there are portions of the Air Force that are just you know super fucking milk toast and just like weak you know just like mm-hmm. you know riding a desk type shit you know mm-hmm. like but for the most part like the guys who are like the mechanics and shit like like we say the most horrid shit you can think of but mm-hmm. it's it's just like that's how we interact i mean it's like you know it's like not pc and there's something to that where i think when you're messaging like that i really feel like it really grabs attention as long as you have the, the right message you're good you know what i mean like as long as you aren't like I don't know. Like who gives a shit if you say faggot or something like who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know, like that's kind of how we are. And, and it is also the fact that too, like, it's, it's like, it's also coming from someone who has this like position of like, Oh my God, he's military. Like who gives a fuck, but like, let them have that. Like, you know, those people who hold that up high use that as against them, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's my, that's definitely my thinking when it comes to like, well, you know, with, I'm a veteran or, and I'm anti-war kind of stuff. Like who else better, who, who can, who can contradict me? You know what I mean? Like you, 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 it, it definitely, you can, I, I, th- I think it's important to be able to leverage it, you know, and it does help with that a lot. And I think you're onto something too with like, with, you know, the, the, the politicians who are the populist politicians or, you know, whether it's Trump or in, how many different countries are there where like people will say that, you know, they, they speak plainly. They'll, they'll, they'll say what's actually on their mind kind of stuff a little bit more clearly Shane Hazel, like pulling no punches kind of aspect. 
there's something to that where there, yeah, it, there's a, there's a broad appeal to somebody who actually isn't watching every word they say, you know? Mm. So that's true. I just, um, yeah, I, I've just been wondering about like, yeah, this, this element of our kind of, like I was thinking the other way around, like, is our culture so militarized, like just in general that like, you know, every, everywhere you turn, like you can, you can't even turn on. I was in a, what's the damn barbecue place? Mission barbecue. You know what I mean? And I just, it was like, I was like just craving. I was trying to figure out a craving. And I was just was like, ah, oh, I haven't, you know, I haven't had barbecue in a while. I popped it. And it like almost made me friggin' want to vomit. You know what I mean? Like the number of patches and helmets and memorabilia on the wall. And it's like, how is this a selling point? Like it's, it was over the top. You know what I mean? It was like, the like if it was a sports bar covered in memory, it couldn't have had more memorabilia. You know what I mean? People would have been yeah. like, this is too much. Like, so I was, yeah, I just, uh, I was wondering if it had, that had something to do with why that effect, like what, what that effect is. I, like, I think I might be, I, I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily entirely where you're going to, but there was something you said there and before that kind of made me think, um, you know, like there's something to being someone who's either in the military or was in the military where you're kind of like the silver bullet for that bullshit. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I don't know, for example, like, uh, I know like recently on Twitter, I roasted some fucking neocon who was like mm-hmm. a Marine who was in his, like his profile picture was him in his uniform. I think I know the exact one you're talking about. Too. Yeah. And like, I just, and I was just roasting him. Cause it was just like, I don't know if he, like how it is for you, but I, I know most military members that I know, uh, you know, like if mm-hmm. anything, we make fun of the ones who's like, that's their profile pic and shit like that. Like, if anything, that's probably the sign of a brand new guy. Like, yeah, you know, like exactly. he just probably just showed up. And so if anything, I got to ridicule him and come from this perspective of like, dude, I've been there. I've done been there like mm. for a long ass time. Like you don't get to use that card here. It's it's kind of essentially, in a, it's kind of like the race card. It's like when you have like a, you know, like it's why when, why Maj Teray is so fucking kick ass. Cause it's like, I mean, it may be shitty, but he's a black dude and you can't, it's kind of pretty fucking hard to call him racist. Like, I mean, you can try, but it's, it may not stick too well, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know? And, you know, we were talking, you were talking before about like the plain speak aspect or, you know, how, how we call it like it is. And I think there's probably something to like, there's definitely, I, I think regardless of whether, whatever we have going on in this country, there's something for martial, martial virtue. You know what I mean? Like. I think throughout like all a good amount of human history, there was a lot of probably respect for people who like showed some discipline, were willing to stand up and take risks when no one else were, you know what I mean? Um, Sort of, that doesn't, that's not a bad thing. And so then like, you know, what, what we end up with here is you have a bunch of people seeking that, I think, who end up in the military and try to wear it and take on this new identity. And sometimes it comes off really fake because some people like take to it, you know, but you have a, you know what, another one, what I wanted to run by you, because I, this is something I've always wanted. I just, because I, in my own, I, I don't have any illusions that I was like hyper jock, most interesting man on campus by any stretch of the imagination. I also was never into fantasy or sci-fi or comics at all. Like my dork, venue was I literally dorked out on the military I freaking had like when I was at 
in grade school, I had these little Jane's pocket guides of every aircraft. And I could tell you like how many seats, what payload they could carry, thrust to weight ratio, what countries flew them. But like, I couldn't get like comic book. What do you think draws in so many people that are into gaming? It's sort of, I'm going to call it nerd culture. And I hope that like, you know what I mean? Different aspects of nerd culture that end up in the military. I mean, I mean, not to overanalyze like psychologically, but I think there is something too. like, I mean, I grew up as a little kid with like superhero movie or shows and shit like that. So it was something I grew up from a young age. So if anything, I think it kind of in a weird way drew me to the military because like, I think there is some natural instinct in man to want to protect and to, you know, essentially be the hero. I mean, mm -hmm. it's maybe like, and so I think something about that, like, is what drew me to it. Cause I joined with the fully in the intention of, I want to go fucking kill people. Like I, and not mm -hmm. in like a, you know, and, and I didn't think of it in like a sinister way. Like I thought of it like, I'm going to go protect people. Like, you know, I was always kind of like the jock. I was like very into that stuff. So I was like, you know, I was big into wrestling, martial arts, stuff like that. So I was mm -hmm. like, for me, that was a natural progression. Like I'm going to go use these skills and, you know, like I was always a good shot. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to use these skills and take care of like my loved ones and like things that I cherish. And I think probably some of that did have to come from the fact that I did have a, uh, you know, inclination towards like superheroes and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, maybe mm. that's overanalyzing it a little bit, but I, I think there's something there, you know, it's, it's just, it's basically the hero's journey is what every, every comic book basically is, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, I guess, I guess that, and that kind of just people feed back into that. Cause it, like, literally just the other day i was on a base and and there was this dude just two dudes geeking out so hard over star wars like memorabilia and i i was like i was the third i was like the third wheel of the conversation like you know he was so excited to show off some like you know plastic friggin uh lightsaber that he had just bought for god knows how much money because it was a genuine replica or something and i was like dude cool man <laughs> that's really neat i can't get into it but <laughs> um yeah i know it's not my cup of tea either i mean yeah I'm a nerd i was <laughs> <laughs> like um but how did you feel when you, how did you end up being um uh a mechanic like uh, i i actually just got you or <laughs> well i actually when i joined i mean i'm I try not to go into specifics but yeah 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 uh i mean fuck it i will i don't give a shit um I joined with the intention of going special forces. Uh, cause I, I originally was going to like army and Marines just be like uh, a grunt. Yeah. And cause I just thought that's what you do. And then my stepdad talked to me. And I was like, Hey, don't be a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> like there's nothing cool about, you know, hoofing it with, with the fucking like, and just getting blown up by an IED. Like there's no, mm -hmm. like you have this idea this like delusion of grand grandiose and like battle. Yeah, by then this was like 2009. It, yeah. Two, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> So it's like, you're not going like, to be doing this badass shit. Like you think, like, if you want to do that, you need to go do special forces. And mm -hmm. so he's like, and also he was like, dude, you need to go air force. Cause like, that's like, they take care of you. Cause like air force, Navy coast guard, like, let's be real. I don't know your opinion on the matter, but those, if you want to have a good quality of life, those are probably the places you want to go. I, not uh, army, not Marines. <laughs> I went on a TDY once, um, to Honduras in 2006 and saw how the air force lived like we we were in, we went down there we flew in um i actually it was a, it was a whole pretty funny to do because i got lit 
I got wrecked the very first night I was there and there was a bit of a scene in the hotel the next morning, like as everyone's waiting for the bus, like everyone, like, I was like an individual, like it was me and one other guy coming as like an augment. And then there was like an entire like air force section of whatever, you know what I mean? At the, so they were all together with their command. So they're all just looking at like, who the fuck is this guy? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm still drunk. You know what I mean? I had gotten home like an hour before we were supposed to get on this bus um with somebody and like she's leaving you know what i mean and um and then and then like we take this bus down to like the site where the the little tdy was and we're in a tent the whole time and the air force is staying in the freaking hotel yep you know what i mean <laughs> like we're in a tent no air conditioning you know and they're they're staying in a hotel and i'm like motherfuckers like having pool parties every day yeah no yeah it's legit and that's why like everyone i knew that was like prior military was like dude don't be an idiot like you haven't like you can still be a badass and be the air force and be taken care of so like yeah. everyone was like telling me like you need to go special forces in the, in the air force mm -hmm. i have shit vision mm -hmm. and initially when i went to uh maps or whatever not maps but uh was it depth or what the fuck maps. like depth in i get depth in delayed entry program depth yeah, yeah whatever the fuck um, but when I went there, they like totally promised me combat control, um, mm. you know, which is like I kind of call in airstrikes yeah. behind enemy lines type bullshit. And like, I thought that was pretty dope. I trained for like six months, got in like ridiculously good shape, probably like one mm. of two times out of six pack. I've always been more like a bulky dude, mm. like, you know, but I got fucking ripped. Like I got really good shape. And then like one time I came into my glasses and he's like, whoa, you have bad eyes. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh shit, you can't be CCT. I was like, God <laughs> damn it. And so he like, he gave me. He's like, well, we can get you in SEER, which is survival mm -hmm. instructor, mm -hmm. which I don't know if you know, like that's yeah, that's a yeah. thing in the Air Force. And he totally talked me up like, hey, like I get it. Like you want to be a badass and go kill people and shit like, but you can do that here. You just need to orient your, your uh, fucking career that way. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. some people are instructors. Some people get attached to like special forces teams and shit and they go do cool shit. And I come to find out later, like because I end up going as SEER. Mm -hmm. come, to, come to find out later that's not entirely true i mean it's kind of true yeah but it's like you probably could count on one hand how many seer instructors actually like did shit like that and mm -hmm. generally when that does happen they end up being like more like a support role mm -hmm. with with those like special forces teams so it's anyways yeah. i mean just to the, make a long the, story store i got promised to be like a badass got in there yeah your got you yeah yeah so i failed <laughs> out of that um I, I ended up failing out of that training fell asleep while I was fucking doing my tasks. Cause they fucking got me with the sleep deprivation mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and then they, and how that usually works with like special forces type stuff. This isn't technically special forces, but it's a job with a, it's a job with a high rate of recidivism or whatever the mm -hmm. hell the word is where people fail out or quit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they usually won't, won't just be like, all right, get out of the military. Uh, they'll be like, all right, well, you're going to get another job. You signed a contract mm -hmm. motherfucker. Yeah. So you're going somewhere else. And, um, they gave me a sheet with like that like I, I got to pick like a handful of jobs that i wanted mm. and like i remember i remember like that that they gave me this like pamphlet and it showed me the jobs i could pick and then it had a number next to it that was like the likelihood of getting that job so like and so pretty much like they told us like hey you want to put like the you want to put a one of those you need to pick a job that's a sure thing and put that as your last choice that mm -hmm. way, because if you, because everyone like picks the cool shit mm -hmm. and then what ends up happening is then you just get put with wherever they need you, which is a cop. 
which I don't know mm. if anyone's been in the military as a cop. It fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sorry if you're a military cop listening to this, but yeah, I, I feel for you. <laughs> I, it's awful. Yeah, there's nothing like what's that? I mean, yeah, security forces, MPs. Mm. It's just so pathetic. Yeah, they all hate them. Like what ends up happening? Everyone hates them. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> and then they end up them. hating everyone else. <laughs> they hate themselves. That or be, they become the worst possible thing ever. Like everyone I've ever met in, in security forces is like either hates themselves or loves it. And you're like, mm. dude, you are not someone who should be ascending through the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you're like you are loving this shit. Um, but anyways, yeah. I so I got I got I put mechanic like aircraft mechanic as my last job because I was like you know, I don't want to be a fucking cop. And then mm. I ended up getting an aircraft mechanic. Cause I put a bunch of other shit, put like aerial gunner, like some medical jobs. Cause like, I mean, I still want to do some cool shit. And then I got sent to be a mechanic. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I ended up liking it. I like my job as a mechanic. I spent yeah. like six years, like doing like in-depth inspections where I completely pull a crap, pull apart aircraft and mm-hmm. do really in-depth inspections of like looking for like little cracks and shit and fixing every little thing. Just fun. I enjoyed, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I ended up being a mechanic. Cool. Yeah. The, um, for me, I, I, that's where I guess my military nerdery paid off. Like I was such a pain in the ass to my recruiter. I wouldn't sign anything that wasn't the a specific, like, so, so air force has like the prefixes, like there's two whiskey and whatever, you know what I mean? Um, Marine Corps, it's like, it's four digits. And the first two are like the field you want, like Oh three is infantry. Oh eight is artillery, whatever. I just refused to sign any papers he put in front of me that didn't say 03. And he kept like coming up with things like, how about I send you to this? How about I send you to that? And I just, no, if it doesn't have 03 at the beginning, I'm not like contract 03, nothing else. Dude, those dudes will try to tell you too, like dumb shit. Like, oh, well, when you get to basic, uh, you know, they'll tell you like, oh, when you get to basic, just tell them, hey, I want this job. And, you know, they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll hook you up. Like, I don't know how many people that have said that that I knew of. And it's like, that does not happen. That's nothing. Like, you, sure, maybe you can ask, but they're going to be like, yeah, okay, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is where it got, it was funny though, because so he says, so eventually he gives up and he throws this book in front of me. And it's like literally every vacancy he has to fill, like what MOS, what date it ships, and then what unit it goes to. Like, it's like the, it's the, it's the manning document, it's the sourcing, like what, where you're, and, I'm like, boop, 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 boop. oh, three there. I'll take the it ships when I want to ship. Like, I'm gonna, and then, and I don't really pay attention to what unit it's going to. And um, it's the fourth civil affairs group, which is in DC. It's a reserve unit. And it, um, and they don't do anything infantry whatsoever. It just happens that like every, well, not every reserve units, but a, a lot of reserve units in like what they call the ops section, where it, which for ops is like planning and training. Training is incorporate like, so they need somebody who's in, theoretically there should have been like a, probably a E5 or E6 in the ops shop who would be planning like their range days and stuff like that. And that's the vacancy they had, but you're not at, like, it shouldn't have been for a boot straight out of basic um who didn't know any of that stuff so when i show up and i'm like when i when i finally fi- you know i finished boot camp i finished soi and i'm like i'm a grunt fuck yeah i'm so tough <laughs> um i show up at this reserve civil affairs unit and they're like what the fuck did they send us a grunt for you know what i mean <laughs> like and and then oh yeah we're gonna have to retrain you as civil affairs so <laughs> 
So then like the whole time I was technically, it, it gets kind of weird. It got stupid for a while. Cause you know, technically I'm a grunt. I got promoted as an infantryman. Not once was I ever in an infantry unit. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. So people are like, it's weird. Um, but uh, so I'm curious, like, I think, well, I'll let you tell me, but like, how did you come around to being like wanting to get out and, um, and be anti, and I think you've told this story before, but just for our, my purposes, uh, if you don't mind kind of retelling, like what brought you from like, I don't think it was immediately jump to the anti-war, but you know, just. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of multiple things. Like I had a, I did, I just recorded yesterday with uh, Clint from Liberty Lockdown mm. And honestly, my reasonings for getting out are not entirely noble. Like a lot of yeah. it is selfish. I've been an ANCAP for a long ass time. Like, mm -hmm. so, and I've just been, you know, kind of bit the bullet or whatever the fuck and just kind of yeah. like sucked it up because I have bills to pay. I have, you know, a wife, kids, shit like that. Like if I was single, I mean, whatever, I'd live under a bridge. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I got responsibilities and stuff honestly i've been seeing the writing on the wall as of late and so it's more of a selfish thing i think it's if you're in the military i think even if you don't give a shit about any of this anarchist stuff or you know morals principles whatever i think it, you need to get the fuck out but i mean we need we can have that conversation in a little bit but i mean i get where you're getting at. I'll, I'll go into like the philosophical type stuff but yeah. just, just well, i'd like to hear more about that like if you're in you need to no matter what too yeah yeah even just from a selfish perspective i think if you're thinking about joining or in right now or Basically, my thing is I've been telling everybody because I'm still active duty right now. And I've been telling everyone if like with less than 10 years, get the fuck out. If you have like more than 10 years, I can understand if you're like, I have five years to retirement, whatever. Like, OK, you know, but it, I, I don't know the way things are right now. I think things are going to get weird. But anyways, you know, I digress. Uh, so you were kind of getting the philosophical type stuff, how I came mm -hmm. philosophically to that. Um, I don't know. When I joined, I was kind of like a generic conservative type shit. Um, not not like any like principled like you know thought about it deeply just kind of uh, i don't know fox news conservative if you will it's kind of how mm -hmm. i grew up um, yeah you know i don't know over ironically the thing that like kind of got me to learn the most was the fact that i have a commute i have like a I, you know when i met my wife uh she lived like an hour away from the base so like i had an hour drive every day so, you know, there and back. So, I mean, for a while, I listened to music and shit. But after a while, I started listening to podcasts. And then I kind of went the, you know, I started out with like Ben Shapiro because I was kind of like where I was at. Then from there, I went like Steven Crowder and then, I don't know, David Rubin. David? Yeah, Dave Rubin. Uh, fucking. And then, you know, after a while, I started listening to Joe Rogan. And then I think from Rogan, I, I, I heard Dave Smith. And then I started listening to Dave Smith. And, you know, you can kind of like literally my progression kind of matches up perfectly yeah. with that. And then, well, I mean, Dave Smith, I mean, once I started listening to Dave Smith, I wasn't like an ANCAP. I was, by the time I got to that point, I was like a hardcore minarchist. And I probably listened to Dave for probably, I don't know, a year or two years before I finally made that jump from minarchist to anarchist. And like the thing that made me go from minarchist to anarchist was Dave was always talking about Anatomy of State by Murray Rothbard. And I actually mm -hmm. wasn't really like a big reader. Like I read a lot as a young kid, I was a huge reader, but then like as a young adult, I kind of got away from it. Cause it's like, it's just not cool to be a dude who reads. Like, I, I don't know. Like you realize later that it's like, who gives a fuck what people think, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like, and it's also like, it's actually pretty dope to be fucking smart, but, <laughs> but yeah, later on, I started getting to reading um, more and like, he kind of convinced me to read anatomy of the state. 
by Murray Rothbard. And my big thing as a manarchist was like, I, I felt like the state was necessary. And the anatomy of state does a really good job of dispelling that. Because I feel like that's the biggest thing for minarchists is that they just like feel like the state is necessary. They just can't wrap their head around why it wouldn't be. And I feel like anatomy of state, there's so many people who say anatomy of state is what like brings them from one side to the other. Because I've been sitting on the fence for a while. Like I completely agreed the government was evil. I just wasn't willing to make that jump to anarchists because it's just like, but we need it. And then like anatomy of state was like, no, you fucking don't. (laughs) Yeah, I can't, I can't. I can still like, it's funny you say, cause like literally I was in Quantico. I was, um, I like, you know, Quantico is a terrible place. Don't ever like, just, just stay away from there. Anyone like anyone who's in, don't go there. If you can avoid it. The worst part of it is like, I'm, I, I lived less than 10 miles door to door from my office to, from, from my apartment, from where I was living to my office. And that could be easily a 55 minute drive, like randomly for no reason on a Tuesday. So you had to give yourself like an hour and a half to get there, even though it's only 10 miles away. Sometimes you'd be there in five minutes. Other times you'd be there. You, you would, you know, traffic could get that bad. So same thing, had a commute. This is like just it was actually before Tom Wood started his podcast, but I had started like discovering, listening to a few podcasts, like for news and whatever. And then I discovered like the Mises media or Mises audio books or something like that. And anatomy of the state was like one of those mind blowing moments that, and I was listening like what they didn't have on iTunes. You, if you remember that was like, it was basically just another podcast forum, but they had it separated out they had a a handful of Tom Woods lectures and one of them was on Spooner. And uh, those two just like between those two, it was like a one, two punch. And I remember like I printed a copy of no treason at my office and like had it on behind my desk. Like, and I would just leaf through it when I was bored. I had it like pinned up in case anyone was like, what it like, I was kind of tempting people to look at it and and start reading it. Cause yeah, those two blew my mind. Like just listening on a commute home from a base. So yeah, no trees in anatomy estate. Those are like the two. But like yeah. maybe an honorable mention to like uh, the most dangerous superstition by Larkin Rose. That does it for some people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, fucking those two. Like, cause I feel like it is like most minarchists are just in this like spot of like, I feel like Anatomy of State does a good job of like pointing out like why it won't work, and mm-hmm. then like uh, fucking uh, No Treason does a good job of being like this is why it's wrong. Like it never. It, it, this is completely on this was on shaky ground to begin with. Like you don't get to make a contract with future generations. Like it shit just like blows that. up like, all the myths. Yeah. The two of them together, yeah. just blo- like all the myths that you get taught if you are sort of conservative, conservatarian, especially, I don't know if it work. if those, I don't know if those work for people coming from the left or not, but when you're coming from the right, if you like believe like, well, you, know, you get somewhere along the way, they feed you that bullshit about the social contract and they, and they, and they get you thinking that, well, it's, you know, you give you these quotes, like, you know, that, you know, government like what's it's a, i think it's an apocryphal quote but like you know government is is force and force like fire is a dangerous servant and a cruel master like it's it you need it it's a servant it's there for you but you need it under control like having a fire in your kitchen you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i had all those quotes like i had literally the bumper sticker i was like government is is like fire it's a dangerous servant but a cruel master you know and it's right on that edge but we still need it you know 
and and then those just blew it up i remember specifically those killed it for me um it took me to like that and then it wasn't very long after that it's like i gotta start figuring out another career you know what i mean like i switched I, I dropped the irr within like probably a year or so of listening to that and then yeah um that's yeah that's a killer for a lot of people so everyone check out anatomy of the state if you haven't already <laughs> yeah no for sure anatomy of state no treason and like you kind of mentioned like people from the left i feel like um fucking uh god this I just said it a minute ago. I don't, the Larkin Rose book. I don't know why I can't yeah. think of it. Most dangerous, dangerous superstition. superstition. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that one works better for people coming from the left because it, it makes a comparison of how sadism is a religion. And I feel mm. like that that kind of speaks more to the left because they're more like, you know, got boners for like, you know, religion and being stupid and shit, which I'm an atheist, so I get that. But at the same time, like, I mean, who cares? But I, I don't know. Like, so yeah, I can see how that could appeal more to the left. And I think that's why it's held in high regard in in a lot of ways because those are probably like the three that i always hear people are like their books those three sometimes for a new liberty i've heard does it i haven't read for a new I've, liberty I've, yet but yeah i haven't i haven't done that one either there's so many that i i i'm i'm terrible about reading i i have a gro ever growing collection of books that i you know you know whenever the grid finally goes down i'll um, i'll think about reading them if there's time <laughs> you yeah. know um i'm curious so like a thought i've had about how do i put this a thought i've had about having people that are similarly minded to us is if things um go sideways in a certain kind of way where they're you know where they're expecting the guard or whatever to maybe do things on u.s soil i've had the thought that it might not be the worst thing to have some people on the inside what are your thoughts on that <laughs> I don't know. Yes and no, because it's one of those things that, like, I mean, the day there's gonna be people there, so I mean, I'm not. It's inevitable one way or the other, so I guess in a sense it's probably better. But I don't know. I, I think at the same time, even if you are that one there, you should probably be trying to get out or something. Or mm -hmm. I, I don't know. But at the same time, like while I've been in, I feel like I've made a lot of inroads in like shifting the thinking of people around me uh, oh, you know so that yeah. reminds me um because uh the i've been talking to a fellow he was a, a guest on mine before his name's jordan um goes by op libertas on twitter if you want to get a hold of him he's doing a deal you can buy copies of um uh enough already um time to end the war on terrorism for less than the Amazon price. And it's buy one, donate one to an active duty soldier or soldier, sailor, or airman. Uh, we have a, we're going to get them into hands of people, uh, you know. Um, so people that might, we might be able to open up and change some minds at least. Uh, so um, I, I don't know if he has, I don't think he has a website up, but if you're hearing this, you know, it's a way you're, you can you can get Scott Horton's book. Um, the money will all go towards putting. You'll get a copy for yourself and a copy into the hands of somebody who maybe needs to read it. Side yeah. note: We were talking about fucking Nami Estate, most dangerous superstition, and uh, no treason. I would like to add Fool's Errand to those lists because I mean I don't know. I mean, I mean I've heard some people, especially on the the thing of foreign policy, that's just completely shift their mind on and. 
it, I mean, I was already an ANCAP when I listened to it. I did an audiobook form, but it's probably my top three audiobooks of all time. Like, I mean, he does, he narrates it himself. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a great book. So just for those listening, uh, if you haven't checked that out, that's one of those like must reads. Like if I was going to make a top 10 of like must read libertarian books or whatever the fuck, like that would be in it. So for sure. Yeah, I need to, those are, I, I, I don't do, I, I do an obscene amount of podcast listening. Like <laughs> it's, it's, I can't even keep up with how much I listen to, but I, you know, endless hours and I haven't, I can't bring myself to add audiobooks to it. I try to read like before bed to wind down, but I don't, I, I fall asleep almost immediately. So I get like three pages a night. It's pathetic. Oh, I feel um, you. It's fucking hard but, to keep up with the audiobook side of things, but yeah. I don't know. The, um, but Fool's Aaron's been one. I just feel like I've been listening to Scott Horton for so long now. It's probably been 10 years, like listening to every single one of his interviews that like, I know I should read it, but I feel like I don't need to. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I kind but of felt I, the same way, but uh-huh. I would highly suggest checking it out. I, 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 would, I mean, it, I own it. I just haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, it is probably, honestly, it's top two audiobooks of all time for me that mm-hmm. I've listened to. And I've listened to a lot of audiobooks. It's just really good. It's a different, like, I know you're like, I've heard Scott before. It's a different side of Scott. Because yeah. we all know Scott. He's the fucking, like, the Energizer Bunny that just keeps going. But, mm-hmm. like, in this one, like, in, in Fool's Errand, he's, like, more measured but with still with his, his the same animation that he has in a sense. So you can still feel the emotion coming off of Scott like you always do, but mm-hmm. it's like more measured, which weirdly makes it more impactful and it makes it easier to digest. Yeah, sometimes he, he'll spit out so much in like two sentences. Like he'll, he'll get like a little quip in like, well, I need to insert that. And it just like vomits out this like truth bomb that probably he's assuming, I think all of his audience has already heard, you know, while he's in the middle of an interview. But I, I could see that being the, the, um, the um, I keep wanting to say no treason and it's that it's enough already. The videos he made for enough already, where there's a little bit of visual effect. Uh, I imagine it's kind of more like that because he was kind of slow and measured in those mm-hmm. too. It's yeah. also weird for me because I listen to everything at three speed. Oh shit. <laughs> so everything's like word vomit. And then like when I have to, when I listen to something, when when I listen to something at one speed, like a YouTube video, a video on YouTube or whatever, and I don't speed it up like with those, it's like it definitely it, it's just strange. It's it's very strange to me to like hear people speaking at normal speed. You listen to Scott on three speed, that seems like a form of torture. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Every now and then, if it's something really, if I really want to soak it all in, I slow it down a little bit. But yeah, I listen. I, I, I try to squeeze everything I can in. Somehow, I, I didn't know that I had this weird touch. It kind of explains I'm, I, I work with people that speak other languages now, and I have a much easier time than the average person understanding what they're trying to say. You know what I mean? And it must be something weird with my hearing. I'm, I'm. I would have thought I was deaf. My sister's convinced I'm deaf because I was so loud. My nickname was Decibel in the middle <laughs> when I was in because I always sound like I'm shouting apparently. But uh, for some reason, something about the way I hear, I can I can listen to people talking. I can pick up sp- people speaking other languages really quickly. So I don't know. Um, what are those? Is there anything else I wanted to bend your ear about? Um, let me take a look real quick. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, I think this has been cool. Um, 
What about, I, I, I am just curious, and I know I, I, this is the second time coming back to it, and I, and I know I'm not, well, okay, what are your thoughts on, uh, I don't know, if these, I don't think these count as comic book culture, but Air Force had like a thing called Air Force Blues for a while. There was Terminal Lance, there's a, um, Duffel Blog's not exactly uh, comic, but um, do you think those are like a decent route to like get people thinking differently, or is it just kind of too, did the, did, did you did you ever like check out Terminal Lance regularly or um he made that book The White Donkey I never read that but. I never checked out Terminal Lance but I know Duffel Blog I know what you're talking yeah. about so and I I know there was like satirical like just articles that were very I don't know very mm -hmm. military centric and I do think there is something there I because like I mean not that I'm saying they necessarily had any political bent or anything but they were mm -hmm. very much in the culture of the military yeah and it was very I don't know like. I don't know the word is sardonic. I mean, that yeah. might not be the right word. Just, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do think that kind of leads to, you know, moves along that way. You know? Satirizing. Know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the things for me was like, there's, there hasn't been, I don't know that there's been a show like this since then. Uh, but like MASH, when I was a kid, I watched MASH like regularly. It was like syndicated at like five o'clock, like right after I got home or whatever. And I would throw it on. And um obviously they they were constantly satirizing the military and like you have catch 22 that's a um yeah so duffel blog like satirized and then terminal lance was i, I think he stopped doing i don't know if he's still putting stuff out or not but he would just make these like three-part comic strips that were pretty solid making fun of the marine corps um and there, somebody else came up with something similar. I think it was called Air Force Blues. I think it's down and gone now. You can't even I get it. I, I think I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, I do remember I always see those like posted up random places. And it was always like poking fun at the bureaucratic bullshit. Yeah. Like about like all the different, like I didn't even think of an example off the top of my head. But there's so many of them. Yeah. Of, like, you know, some, because I mean, I don't know. The military does a good job of like teaching you what a bureaucratic nightmare fucking <laughs> government is. Just yeah. in every fucking way. Like, I don't know, for example, like in my first job when I worked in the hangar for like six years, probably almost, I don't know, especially after the few years in, probably almost every other month I got told I was going to get moved and mm -hmm. I just never did. So like, I just, you know, you, you learn like shit, it's just like how it works and you just kind of roll with it. Like, I don't know. I, I know what you're talking about though. That yeah. It is very like pointed out, but it's like kind of like, ha ha ha, like very funny. And, yeah. and like, it would literally even be like posted up in like my command support staff like area like it would mm -hmm. be like there like up with like my commander and shit like it's on the walls like they posted it there to be like haha but it's like it's pointing out like haha look how fucking you know inept <laughs> fucking our our procedures and shit are so it's like yeah it's even kinda, they are rolling with it you know it's almost one of the things like um all the major war movies the i always worry about this thing like any war movie that is actually enjoyable to watch, even if it's explicitly meant to be as anti-war as humanly possible, turns into a pro-war movie. There's just no such thing because it ends up being this. Uh... And then the only anti-war movies that work are ones that you could watch one time and you never want to see it again because it was that horrifying. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. or that, that dark or that sort of just sad that it just leaves, you know. Yeah, I don't know who it was who was saying, I, I don't remember who I was listening to the other day. They kind of made the same exact point. How about, like, they weren't talking about military, military specifically, but they're talking about government. I think they used the example of the X-Files, where they're like, 
the big part of the X-Files was how like the FBI was corrupt and there's all these shit hidden and stuff. But who are the heroes that come and fix that fucking problem? Mm-hmm. It's the FBI. So it's, if anything, they're more like pushing that minarchist perspective of like, well, the government's fucked, but what we need is like government to come people. and fix it. You know, yeah. like, it's like if only yeah. we had better people, like, mm-hmm. you know? yeah, I was literally just talking to somebody about some, kind of the same lines of like, well, the problem is I was talking about, it must've been Matthew. I was talking to where we were saying like, the problem, part of the problem is you need a hero for a story. And if they, if you're going to have a military movie, the hero is, or a, a government movie, the hero is going to be somebody in the government or somebody in the military. You know what I mean? And so at the end, and so you never see the, if, if it's a, if it's a world war one or world war two movie, you never see the 50 other guys around him that got aced. You know what I mean? You, because the hero has to make the end of the story, you know, mm-hmm. and and you and you and even then, no matter how screwed up the military is in the story, you still have a hero who is in the military at the end, you know. So it's kind of like really hard to get away from thematically, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, are there any comics that you would? Say, I'm just like I said. I'm just curious because. Are there any comics that kind of touch on mil- like anti-military or anti-government themes that are what are the like um who's the one that makes like an anti-government comic? Is somebody that makes one? Did you ever test any of those out? Are they any good? That's or are they just good, terrible? You know what though? There's like a shitload. I can look at my stack right here, like The Watchmen. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know the Watchmen, like they made the movies yeah. where the whole theme of the Watchmen is who watches the Watchmen, like mm-hmm. who holds these people to account and like how shitty the government is like the main character was or not the main character but the main bad guy the whole thing is he he pulls this like machiavellian shit where he like pretends that like uh in the in the, in the comic book it's like an alien but in the movie they do like he fakes nuclear war in order to unite the people so it's like mm. i don't know there's that there's v for vendetta which is you know clearly you know, like that's that's actually a comic book uh i mean i don't know it really runs rife through fucking comics like big time uh, yeah. especially some of the better ones i mean i don't know especially alan moore like he's the one who did a uh, watchman envy for vendetta and he's like a he's basically like an ancom i'm pretty sure I, i've heard mm-hmm. that before i mean i'm talking to my ass a little bit but i'm pretty sure he's an ancom and you can totally get that in his reading in his writings or whatever which i mean don't get me wrong mm-hmm. like Incomes aren't perfect. I mean, I mean, you aren't, aren't aren't all about that, but you know, you read some of the shit, and he he has some interesting stuff to say. So you know, I don't know. There's a lot of comics for sure. Fuck. But, you know, yeah. I'm gonna do. I usually try to do a Saturday, um, like a tweet question. You know what I mean? To kind of just pull people in, and I think I'll do that. Like best anti-war comics or best like you know anti-government anti-war comics. Just to see what people throw out there, see if we get any, I get any interest. Because I'll do like, what's the best anti-war movie or what's the best book, you know? And I was running out of ideas, but I haven't tried that yet, so I'm gonna give that a shot. Yeah, no, I shit. Now that you're saying, I'm like, damn it, I know there's like so so many more other ones. It's just yeah. like I've read so many of them. I'm like, fuck, I can't think of them off the top of my head just on the, on the spur of the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think of any in the future, we can like do a rundown or like a top five or some cool something like that. All right. That yeah, cool? no, I know you're not a huge comic book guy, but I, I've done a few. I, I could, I could check them out too. It's not like I'm, I, I'm yeah. you know, and I've, I've seen, I've seen the movies. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea for a future episode. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I've done a few episodes on my show where I'll do like comic book episodes, mm-hmm. and what I usually, the template I've usually used is uh, both of us will pick three books, one being uh, our favorite, uh, one being 
you know, the best for new readers and one being the most liberty minded or whatever. So, and I, I like those ones a lot. Those were fun, you know, get some cool fucking results there. I had Mark Claire on for one of those. So that was fun. That, that'd be cool. Yeah. He's really, yeah. Cause he does his like do nothing man thing. Too. No, that, that's, um, that's, that's Brian. Brian. Brian Williams. Yeah. 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 No, Mark's a huge comic book nerd too. He has a uh, podcast with Remzo Martinez, a second print podcast or something. I think I forget. I don't know. He has a, just a straight up comic book podcast. He does too. Yeah. So yeah. Cool, man. Uh, I'd got to get turned in for the night, but uh, it's been cool. And um, I'll shoot you this uh, probably, I'll pro- probably tomorrow, first thing tomorrow morning, I'll shoot you a copy of this. Uh, you mind uh, throwing in your plugs for anything you want people to check out? Yeah, uh, the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm also on everywhere podcasts or like audio podcasts are at. Uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, all that good shit. Uh, if you need to hit me up for any reason, the Liberty Movement Global at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, Gallison Jose. Um, yeah, that's it. Or oh, give me money. Fucking patreon.com. Just No Way Jose 2020. I'm all about the money. So give me that. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. I, yeah. I really appreciate it, man. And, uh, and peace. <laughs> yeah. Had a fun time. Thanks. Thanks.